Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Not proud, but that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity Not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people share real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm Ellie, and tonight we are going to be talking about boundaries. Setting boundaries is, is, excuse me, an essential skill in life, especially for people in recovery. But maybe we should start with the basics. What is a boundary? Wikipedia defines a boundary as the following. The practice of openly communicating and asserting personal values as a way to preserve and protect against having them compromised or violated. Now, alcoholics and addicts often have dysfunctional boundaries. Either they can be too rigid, which leads to suppressed emotions or distant relationships, or they can be too enmeshed, which deprives deprives us of a sense of personal identity. In the first part of tonight's show, we're going to talk about the root of where and how boundary issues begin and how they develop. And we just wanted to make a note that for the purposes of tonight's show, we're going to be addressing primarily familial boundaries, um, but of course, boundaries apply across all intimate relationships. Now, if we don't learn how to create and maintain healthy boundaries, interpersonal relationships may continue to be defined by old roles and patterns, which increases the risk of relapse, and especially this time of year when we're often spending time with family members or we are in social situations that we're not usually in, we can feel triggered to resort to old behavior patterns, things like people-pleasing or shape-shifting or other signs of codependency, which is also, um, I think, one of the primary symptoms of lack of healthy boundaries. And on the second part of tonight's show, we're going to share some tools and tips as well as some of our own experiences with healthy boundaries or sometimes lack thereof. Um, An important aspect of setting healthy boundaries is learning simply how to say no. And another important aspect of setting healthy boundaries is identifying how we are feeling. And this is something that can take practice when we're newly sober. We can't teach other people how to treat us if we can't identify our own thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So tonight, let's talk about what boundaries are, why they are important, and share tips and tools and advice on ways we identify, build, and strengthen them with an emphasis on how to do this when you're newly sober. And tonight, I am very excited to welcome Danielle Boland from Real You Revolution. Danielle has been on our show before, and we are thrilled to have her back. And Danielle is a nationally recognized recovery coach and interventionist who is in recovery herself for over two and a half years. Welcome, Danielle. We're so excited to have you back. Hi, Ellie. Thanks so much for having me. This is a great topic and great time of year to cover it, so I'm excited to be here. 
Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we're we're excited to have you. And I you know, I think it'd be helpful if we, can we just start off tonight by talking a bit about the root of where boundary issues can begin and how they can develop? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think the first thing that I'm I'm the first the name that I'm going to throw out there to people is one of my favorite people when it comes to this topic and her name is Nikki Myers. She's also a person in recovery um and has kind of come up with this concept uh that that let's explain like where codependency is versus boundaries. And um what Nikki says is codependency is the disease of lost self. So I'm gonna yeah. bring this full circle. And 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 what that really means is you know, when we're children, uh, you know, a healthy child is loved for being exactly who they are and it I'm loved no matter what. And I love me no matter what. At some point, we are like that, believe it or not, if we can remember that that long ago. <laughs> um, our, our adaptive child, and we all have one, is, is the part of us that learned behaviors to manipulate receiving love and avoiding fear. So this mm. is, a, you know, if I get these awards, um, I'm going to be loved. If I get these grades or... You know, if I isolate, then I don't have to um, deal with social situations. And then there goes, you know, where the addiction stuff comes into this is we, a lot of us learned. I mean, I certainly learned that drinking made me, um, you know, be able to handle situations that normally I would have been terrified in, uh, the whole mm-hmm. like, courage thing. So, yeah. so, so what happens um, because of this dance of wanting to be loved and wanting to avoid fear, we look for identity outside of ourselves. Um, and so, again, Nikki Myers calls codependency the disease of lost self. Um, the good news and the bad news is that she says if you're on the path of recovery, once you get to this codependency, this disease of lost self and addressing it, you, as you're peeling away, we call recovery like peeling away the layers of the onion. Nikki says that once you get to this, you are really at the last layers of the onion. So that's good mm. and bad because I think it's, it's a good sign, but it's also some of the hardest work. Now, to circle yeah. it back to the topic tonight, um, what she also says is the best two ways to recover from issues with lost self are number one to set healthy boundaries and number two keep the promises that you make to yourself so Uh, we can yeah so we can probably all say all right i understand this this lost self it makes sense like i'm there i'm to some extent everyone's going to nod their heads and, and agree and and the key is to bring that self back if we can start to keep those promises we make and to ourselves and have the healthy boundaries then we're well on our way to um you know to to recovery ah i like that concept yeah. of keeping the promises we set to ourselves because right. that's you know it it seems it's such the polar opposite of of what you described initially which is you, you know uh, kind of that self definition by how others view me i mean if i'm keeping the promises that you've set for me that's that's the opposite of of honoring uh, you know my own intuition and my own self needs 100% and i think you know for me in this path and 
people said it would probably happen around this time. It was like, okay, great, like alcohol, drugs, way out of the equation. But I recognized two-plus years into recovery that I was still kind of living the life that I had just started in those years of adaptive child, of kind of Mm -hmm. who do you want me to be. And you hear so many people in the rooms and, and friends in recovery say, like, I became a chameleon, like who you wanted me to be. And um, and this is one of the ways, um, again, to, to start to come back from that. I think another thing that we can um, do that might be fun, Ellie, is to um, do a, a very basic, like, five questions and mm-hmm. see what our uh, listeners think in regards to if, if any of these are, are kind of red flag situations for them. Does that sound like a good yeah. idea? That sounds like a great awesome. idea. So, cool. So these are not uh, specific to the holidays, but I think everyone knows. Like, So one other thing that I would like to say is, as you can imagine, there's boundaries with family members, there's boundaries with friends, and there's boundaries with um, in, in our intimate relationships. So what we're talking about for the sake of today is primarily, I think, um, like family, friends, the intimate relationship stuff, of course it overlaps, but um, that could be one or two shows in in and of itself. Yeah. And I think if people here struggle with that, they will probably, you know, shake their heads. And and again, uh, we do it. I know for me, I've really mastered the family piece of this and the friend piece because I knew my family was a good amount of drinking going on and there was a lot of emotional enmeshment. And I just, it was, it just became like so matter of fact for me that if I don't get this boundary thing, I will not stay sober. So I've gotten really good with the family stuff. I have a lot of work to do um, in the relationship stuff. So um, again, you know, just to, to cover these. So um, there's a, a a wonderful blog. There's a man, his name's Mark Manson, and, and probably two years ago I had Googled this, or, yeah, it had to have been. He wrote the blog in January of 2013. Um, again, it's Mark Manson, and it's the Guide to Strong Boundaries. And it's just a great article overall, and I'll be kind of citing some, some things of his um kind of throughout the, the show. Um, but he had some questions and combined. Nikki Myers also has an awesome codependency quiz that she gives people. Um, she does have a book coming out soon, so hopefully that will be a part of it. But we're just going to do like five of the questions. And um, I think if people are going to know whether generally they lean more towards yes in these or no. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, okay. Okay, so the first question do you ever feel like people take advantage of you or use your emotions for their own gain? Hmm. Question two, do you ever feel like you're constantly having to save people close to you and fix their problems all the time? Um, I also call this, you know, take responsibility for other people's feelings. I know I grew up hmm. in a family where I didn't realize it. And, again, this is the whole family legacy is I don't think my parents realized it and that was how it was in their family. It's this idea that they need to, you know, I'm responsible for how they feel. If my dad came home from work stressed out, 
I thought it was my fault. And, you know, I've heard heartbreaking situations where kids will say, maybe if I got an A-plus on this test, you know, my mom wouldn't drink. So that's another area where this can come out. Um, Number three, do you find yourself far more invested or attracted to a person than you should be for how long you've known them? Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting question, too. Uh, that is an interesting, four, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Number four, do you find it difficult to say no and then feel resentment when you are overwhelmed? Hmm. And last, do you wait to hear what others think before you share your opinion? Oh, and again, those like, are just, just the questions themselves. They make me they make me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> right? <laughs> clearly, yeah. we're on to something here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I think oh. the best one, and I I just guarantee, based on a lot of the listeners, that the one that I think people laugh at a lot, and and I know even if it's not me, but friends, family, do you find it difficult to say no and then feel resentment when you're overwhelmed? Oh, that's such a big one. It really is. It really yeah, is. It, yeah. It also, you know, it apply. It always, you know, I feel like every every show we touch on self-care and community. I mean, those just are threads that run so strongly through recovery anyway. Um, you know, and it, it just, we talk a lot about how, um, and, and perfectionism is another one that's all woven into all of this, right. and this sort of urge I have to say, and I, I, I kind of have a little mantra that I use now too. Like I, I will, you know, when I say yes, when I mean no, you know, and I, and I, but yeah. I, I guess as I progress into recovery a little bit more, like it, it still happens. I definitely still do it. I try to be a little bit more. Um, deliberate and thoughtful about when I say yes or no to things, and in a, in a in a it could be something very simple or very basic. But um, I hate saying I feel like I'm you know because it's instantaneously the other person's needs come into my head. If I say no, I'm going to disappoint them. I'm going to let them down. I struggle with this with my own children a lot. You know, saying no to activities or doing things because I just want to. You know, I have this idea that a perfect mom or a good mom will do something a certain way. Um, but then I'll feel, and, and right away I'll feel that twinge of, uh-oh, you know, I just, I have an awareness around it now that yeah. I just said yes, yep. but I meant no, and I sort of think, you know, so then it's kind of, you know, oh, it's it's something that takes, it's constant work in progress for me. Um, it is, I, and I think it is, like, our, for us our entire lives, um, you know, regardless of, of who we are, I really do. And also this time of year with anything as, as simple as an invitation or things that come in from the school. I mean, I think I probably had five emails in my inboxes about, you know, can you come chaperone this or can you cook cookies for this or can you show, you know, the, all these different things. And I get that should. I should do this. I should do that. I should. And then I, if I say yes to it all, I, I'm totally resentful. I'm totally resentful. Yeah. And, and that's the trigger. That's where the trigger lies. But I didn't really piece I, together how much that was tied to boundary issues. To, to you know, because I always think of codependency can only kind of, and it it does really function within a in a more intimate relationship, whether it's family or friends or romantic. But mm-hmm. you know, there is there is a touch of codependency in in everything I'm involved it with. Really because is. if I'm saying yes to baking sixteen dozen cookies the night before a big 
you know, school dance or something. The only reason I'd say yes to that is because I didn't want to let somebody else down. It's not because that's what I feel like doing. Right. It, it, it is. That's where the word, and you'll hear, and that's why I love Nikki Meyer's definition, because, like, everyone has some piece of it, and it's kind of like there's a spectrum of it. I think something that happened to me when I had the gift of desperation and recovery, it was like I had tried for two years. I had wanted to want it, and I just I couldn't get there. And when I was finally done, I was willing to do whatever it took. And I really, it was something clicked. It was that listening to what everyone told me. And I had always put myself last. I had completely lost myself. I wanted everyone to like me. And one of the things people said was do the opposite of what you have always done. And so it was actually such a gift of recovery that in that first year, and I know we had done a show, and I refer a lot of clients back to that. It was in November, I think, of 2013. And um, it was on how to survive the holidays in early recovery. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of drinking that goes on in my family. And, um, you know, I was at a football game site, and it's fine, but everybody basically besides me and the children had a drink in their hands. So that's okay if that works for them. It doesn't always work for me. So there goes, and the other thing with early recovery was that concept of take care of me and Mm -hmm. everyone will benefit from that. And I think it's so easy. I mean, for me, I just remember watching like Dexter in like month three and being like, oh my God, I'm going to be addicted to television. This is horrible. (laughs) Like what's happened to my brain? But it was so yeah, cool to be like a kid again. And I'm going to take care of my needs like the little child in me. And then everyone in my life is going to ha- benefit from this. And what happens, like you said, with all these events around the holidays, we slowly like chip away at that like self-esteem that we built by not upholding our commitments to ourselves and not um, drawing proper boundaries. Yes. And that's yeah. where, like, the, you know, the misery starts to come in and we start to say we're a little, you know, spiritually unfit. Um, yeah. Because that's exactly yeah. what we've just done to ourselves. You know, it's interesting, too. I want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier because it really, it's, I, I, I sort of extrapolated a little bit from it, but how, you know, we talk about recovery and talk about sobriety, like being sober is about not drinking or doing drugs or, you know, numbing out through some sort of, substance and when you know i first got sober that's what i anticipated i'm going to learn how to not drink and so when people would talk about things like codependency and boundaries and self-care and all these different things especially as it pertained to boundaries i would sort of think well what does that have to do with not drinking you know i'm just i'm going to go to this party and i'm not going to drink and i'm going to you know have this you know, be around these people who make me uncomfortable, but I'm not going to drink it. And I, it's it's taken it's a part of the journey in this to realize, wow, that the tools that I need to cultivate to get to to successfully not drink, and it's more than whether or not I actually consume alcohol. It's how happy and or peaceful and or miserable I am in my not in not consuming it. I mean, I can go to a, a party and successfully not drink, but I can be miserable for days as a result of exactly. it. Exactly. So, how how much this conversation you know th- these are the the layers that we build between us and 
picking up and between us and the desire to numb out or escape from ourselves. I mean, it's it has everything to do with whether or not I drink or I'm actively fighting off a drink. It's that these are the thing these are the the issues that are the pathway to that desire to escape yep. from Myself. Exactly. Because if you look back, like we talked about, like in the first few minutes of the show, I know for me, I absolutely had the disease of lost self well before my drinking was out of control. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, that was something that I developed in my teens and drinking, you know, it's like when we say in the rooms, like alcohol is but a symptom of the disease. And in my mind, I just believe that the disease is lost self. I really do. Totally. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, it's like it's so at the core of everything. And um, so if you're able to manage that piece and, again, improve on it as you can or can't, you know, at your own pace, um, then, mm-hmm. then you're absolutely going to improve not only your quality of life, but the quality of your children's lives. I mean, I know for a fact, and they may, you know, kill me, but I don't think they'll listen to the show. My parents, I gave them the full Nikki Myers quiz when I came home from um, a retreat I was on with her and Tommy Rosen last week, and they scored pretty, pretty good scores up there, meaning, you know, Nikki says if you score like eight or more, you probably should look at like this codependency thing. And both my parents um, scored pretty high. And again, it's not like a, uh uh-oh, like look what you did to me. But it's this awareness in a family cycle where we have the power to break a legacy. And we have the power to change the legacy. Um, So your children are not you know, I always say this too, my parents loved us so much and wanted us to have everything and be everything and do everything. But, like, I don't believe that they had addressed this at the core with themselves. And so right. ultimately your kids are going to see, you know, what you do. If you didn't make you the priority and, you you know, do your actions align with your values. And and so it, yep. what I saw was very different than what I was told for myself, and that so of course that's that's what I I grew up with. Well, and it's you know family systems, if because we're talking mostly about family tonight. I mean, it's true to. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I, I love how you said like it's not about like you did this to me or apportioning blame or totally. you know trying to figure out you know why am I an alcoholic or why am I so screwed up or why do I have unhealthy boundaries or why am I codependent? That's not. That's not really what the journey is all about. And family systems, we right. all play roles and we all, I mean, we become very enmeshed just by the nature of how family systems operate. And uh, what I, one of the challenges that I have found is that when, you know, in particular for me, when I get I got sober and I started exercising healthier boundaries, that messes with the whole family system um, exactly. because suddenly I'm, you know, I'm not performing my role in this and, you know, I, I've heard it spoken about how, um, you know, you were talking about the children and, and learning adaptive behaviors and things. I've heard it spoken about becoming people's container, you know, mm-hmm. that I became the container for other people's emotions, for my parents, you know, the people that I loved and cared about and, and as a child was dependent on. Um, you know, when I, when I step away from becoming everybody's container, it, there's a huge adjustment right. period to that. And right. So if we're making plans for, you know, the 
Christmas holiday, and I, there's all sorts of demands that are placed on me. You, you know, I'd like you to come here and stay here for four days and do this. And I say, no, you know, that I'm that because I'm exercising self care. It's not that I, it's not mm-hmm. a rejection of them. I, I just I'm trying to put into practice not saying yes when I mean no and becoming overwhelmed. But there's a ripple effect to that. You know, I've always been the person who said yes no matter what. And yep. that's part of that's part of the challenge in developing these new tools is being able to um, you know put your own priorities first and set your healthy boundaries and then stick to it and you know let yeah. people give grant people their own reaction to your your new decision making process and your new prioritization of self care that's very challenging. It, it tends to come up a lot this time of year. That's that's kind You're of right. why the show is so timely. <laughs> Exactly. And there's two dynamics to that, too, is the the person they're always used to, but then it's like, where are they with that anyways on their own? Because people with non-existent boundaries, they don't just put themselves at risk, but they don't recognize others' abilities to have boundaries. So, you know, this is something that, again, something I didn't say in the beginning is this is something that we learn. Children don't have boundaries, right, when when we're young. Like, this is taught. And most of us aren't really taught this stuff. And, I mean, I yeah. went to a therapist starting in my 20s. I really did not understand this stuff until I started the recovery process, like, you know, four years ago is when I really started to learn what these were. Um, so there's this idea, too, that if someone is really healthy, they'll respect that. But if they're really right. healthy and they're used to you saying yes, all the time, yeah, it is. It's going to be a little bit of it because, again, it shifts. Like you said, it shifts the dynamics of the relationship. Yes, so it I does. Think, um, an awesome, you know, uh, definition: the healthy personal boundaries are taking responsibility for your own actions and emotions, while not taking responsibility for the other, for the actions or emotions of others. I just. I, I think that's that's so clear and concise and straightforward and right. So it's so difficult to put into practice. <laughs> it's, that's, it's, yep. and it is. That's why I do consider all of these things a practice. I mean, it's it is. Um, nobody you know, likes that, to graduate. <laughs> yes, nobody ever graduates from it. And you know, I have to cultivate sort of a compassion for myself around this a lot yeah. because again, I can be perfectionisty about this too. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, it's a further into recovery that I, in my own journey that I've gotten. I, I mean, I I, re, I relapse from healthy boundaries all the time. I mean, I kind of, I weave in yeah. and out of this. And I, you know, now at least I have the gift of, of an awareness that this is, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why am I uncomfortable? Well, because I'm allowing, I'm allowing my boundaries to be violated. It's not that the other people are misbehaving or mistreating me. It's that, the you know, the power lies within me to to maintain these and so it's just yep. constant tweaks and adjustments and not beating myself up for it if if I'm not doing it perfectly because I, I can you know I can get to the point where I get resentful but it's yeah there's really no point and I, <laughs> right because I do think too is like the more solid you are in your foundation like any of us then it's just like it's that, that's what I said to someone the other day the wonderful thing about recovery is like we can check our side of the street, and I can be recovery from anything. Like, I can say, like, did I do my best in this? Like, did I, am I human? Like, did I, you know, try as, as best I could? And it's, 
just that awareness it is to having that compassion and that conversation with ourselves, um, you know, to the point of, yeah, this is the best I could do, and, and, and you know, I'm okay with however the other person is because guess what? Like, they're not the only relationships in my life. Like, mm-hmm. I still have all these other people that may have been hurt by me not upholding the boundary. Yeah, yeah. So here's you know, a that's, really that's a, cool... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, okay. no, you go. That's okay. Nope. No, go ahead. Nope, I was going to do a... Um, I, uh, this is a, a good, like, kind of a holiday example, I think, of, like, a great conversation that you might have. This is from the um, the Mark um, Manson article. So he talks about the issue that comes up with a mom, and she's making her daughters feel bad for not coming to see her. But, I mean, this is the exact, you know, this is the types of things that we deal with, right, around the holidays. So the mom says, this is kind of the conversation with them. She says, I get so sad when you and your sister don't come see me. I get very lonely, you know. And the daughter says, why don't you go out more, mom? Make some friends. And the mom says, oh, I've tried. Nobody likes an old lady like me. You two are my children. You're supposed to take care of me. And the daughter Mm -hmm. replies, we do. And the mom says, no, you don't. I spend so much time alone. You have no idea how hard it can be sometimes. And the daughter says, Mom, I love you and will always be here when you need me. But you are still responsible for your own loneliness. Jennifer and I are mm-hmm. not the only solution to all of your problems. But it's wow. like how amazing to be able to get to the point where that is so like solid in us. But she didn't oh, say anything yeah. bad. Yep. Oh, I mean, that, that just... It is, yeah, and that and that making it about, I mean, that whole that whole example just makes me squirm also. Cause right, it's very familiar to me. It's right, very, I and know. And it's not in a you know not just within familial relationships either, but that there is there are so many loving and compassionate ways to express our own boundaries and um and and to kind that's that's why we put in the title of the show sort of teaching people how to treat us. Yeah, and being yeah. able to explain with love and compassion, you know, that my exercising this boundary—we don't put it that way—but my saying no to your request or not being available for you every time you need me to is not an expression of of lack of love for you. Um, right. That's that's the ultimate. And that's the end goal. Because I never knew again until I I went on down this journey that. I thought that being assertive was aggressive. So, like, you know, I was that, and I hear my niece all the time, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, do not say sorry again. Mm. I don't want to hear it out of your mouth. It's like, I, you know, I, this is what I want. I'm sorry. Like, apologizing for my truth. And right. it's, it's, not, it's not something that we should be apologizing for. So it's like assertive and aggressive are two very different things. Like assertive very, is just yeah. speaking your truth. But yep. like what I thought was like how dare you like not be courteous and what do what other people want of you. That it's discourteous or aggressive or hurtful. Right, right. Right, where the where the shift comes in. You know, this is it's a good segue too because the, the sort of the latter half of this show, we wanted to talk a little bit about identifying and, and you know, sort of tools and tips of, of practicing yeah. healthy boundaries. And mm-hmm. for me, that really starts with tuning into how I feel because, you know, I, in early sobriety, I one of the things that took 
some time for me to figure out is how am I feeling? I just know that I, I feel off or wrong. Um, and to be able to sort of dig behind what might be there. And there are definitely some some sort of key feelings that are red flags or things that, that, are, that I am finding inevitably lead back to um, lack of healthy boundaries. And resentment point. is definitely one of them. If I'm feeling mm-hmm. resentful or uncomfortable, and um, there's a there's actually an article that I found on PsychCentral.com that talks a little bit about this, but it's, it's it gives the advice of during an interaction or a situation, ask myself, you know, what's what's what is it about this interaction that is causing me to feel uncomfortable or resentful? And you know, resentment usually comes from being taken advantage of or not feeling not being appreciated or not feeling appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm discovering is a usually a sign that I'm pushing myself beyond my limits because I'm feeling guilty. That just goes back to the example that you read. I want to be a good daughter or a good wife yes. or a good mother. It's that, it's that if yep. I'm feeling resentful, it has such, much less to do with the other person's behavior than the way that I'm responding to it. Oh, um, but I can't even get to that point if I don't stop. If I don't stop and sort of say, what is what is this? feeling that I'm having. Right. And as an active alcoholic or addict, any feeling that I would categorize as bad, I just changed or numbed. You know, I didn't, I didn't ever have to practice saying, okay, what is this? Where, where am I feeling this in my body? Is it in my stomach? Is it in my throat? Is it in my shoulders? Are they getting tense? You know, like, and um, sometimes there's even phrases that I'll catch. And one of them is, I'm sorry. If I find myself over apologizing, I'm never actually sorry. What I'm saying is I'm trying to make you not mad at me while I exercise this boundary. So I I look really hard for just general discomfort. Like, what is it? What am I feeling? Resentment. The other one is guilt and self-doubt. You know, I listen to the to the inner voices in my head. Like, what's the tape in my head saying to me today? What is it playing today? Um, am I spending mm-hmm. a lot of time feeling really fearful about other people's responses? Um, am I feeling guilty by speaking up or saying no to a family member in particular? Um, right. You know, we touched upon how, like, to be we feel like to be a good daughter slash wife slash friend slash mother is all mm-hmm. about saying yes. But right. sometimes I'll find myself, if I'm saying yes, and I really mean no, I'll get the same feeling of discomfort. I mean, it's not, I can get the discomfort putting the boundary exactly. up. Exactly. And I can get the discomfort not putting the boundary up. So it really all starts with tuning into how we feel. And in early recovery in particular, that can be very challenging because all feelings right. feel pretty pointy and loud and confusing. Um, right, right. And so, you know, sometimes writing them down or talking to other people about, you know, I used to call friends of mine in recovery and just be like, I'm having feelings. Like, I don't even yeah. know specifically what they are, but I've got them, and I don't like them, and they're making me really uncomfortable. Right. And, and being able to ping off other people and sort of drill down, like, well, what happened to create those feelings? And where, you know, is it guilt? Is it resentment? Is it anger? Is it a combination of all of those things? Um, and from after identifying the feeling, it, it becomes a little bit more straightforward to to sort of name my limits. You know, if I can identify where it is physically or emotionally or sometimes even spiritually where I'm not feeling attuned to myself, yep. I can I can kind of peel peel away and say like what is am I trying to um you know you know, what can I tolerate and accept and what can't I? What's making me feel stressed and what you know, where are the changes that I can be made? 
that can be made yeah. to help me feel better about this. I don't think, again, it's like the first part of that is like you can't set good boundaries if you're unsure of where you stand. And that is where, like, who are you? What do you stand for as a person? Do your actions align with your values and current priorities? And if we don't know that, you know, something that was so good, just a small little trick that someone might want to do around the holidays, like, um, and I need to do another one, but I did this in, in October with one of my mentors, or, or no, um, November, and it's just like, why do I not do this more? And I wrote a list, one to seven, of my um, values, well, my current priorities at that time. So you could do it, say, okay, for the holiday season, here are my values um, or my priorities. And number one for somebody could be sobriety, right? Number two, I mean, whatever, Um family, it doesn't matter, but the point is, like, are your yeses and your noes aligned with that list? And, yes. you know, yeah. are the, the number ones and twos, you, you better be, have, be saying no to anything unless it's, you know, you've done the ones, twos, and threes on that list that day. So right. it's just a really good, it was a helpful, helpful way for me, something that I always put last, I have this kind of thing where you know physical fitness it's almost because of family history it's like selfish and you know but on my list it was like number four so the sixes and sevens I was saying no to if I didn't get to my fitness in the day and like so I I having it was almost like an equation to tell me you know okay like are we on check today (laughs) like are we aligned with our values and priorities it was very very helpful and it can be very, very basic. You know, if I don't have time to take a 20-minute walk or take a 20, do a 20-minute meditation, I mean, right. whatever those things are that are on your list, I mean, you can have a general bucket of self-care. But specifically, mm-hmm. what does that mean for you right now? And it can change. And self-care right. for me in the holidays has everything to do with not over-promising. Because if I over-promise, yep. I'm going to under-deliver, and then I'm going to be resentful. And so... You know, I have to make, I'll say something to myself, like I need to be able to make sure I get a you know, walk in every single day, that I have time for me to go to three recovery meetings a week, that I have, you know, that I have right. very specific task-oriented things. And I'm, like you said, I'm, I, I will not say yes to something if it's if it's going to knock one of those three, three things off the list. Exactly. And, so the best way, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Ellie. No, go ahead. No, I, go ahead. So the best way to attack that is, so let's just say, like, my list for November was, number one was spirituality, number two was self-love and confidence, and number three was work. So those were my three, right? And then under each one for spirituality, it would be like, so what counts is, like, tackling that for the day? So I would write, you know, a breakout. And the self-love, what counts is tackling that? And number three, you know, what counts is tackling work? So... That, like I said, it gives you a really, like, cut and dry path to, okay, am I am I doing the things that I say are most important to me or am I saying yes because I feel guilty? Um, exactly. Yep. And, and something we've also talked about, like, we both, like, love the saying is um, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Right. And I think that is... So important. it's like one of those things. Like I can't remind myself that enough. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And yeah. um, the other one is learning to say no without having to explain yourself. That's like a huge 
um, uh, Al-Anon thing. Um, yeah. That, that people, yeah. you know, it's that no. If it's a no for you, it doesn't have to be explained to someone why it's a no. And I think a big piece of that, too, is that oftentimes a no, I want the no without any consequence. You know, I want to be able to say uh, no and have point. you love me just as much as you did before I said right. no. And sometimes right. I'll try to achieve that really passive-aggressively, but like, no, and I'm sorry. But I'm not really sorry. Yeah. I think it's just right. no. Be honest. Or no, right. be, or be no because I have to do X, Y, and Z. Or I even find myself, you know, fibbing or telling white lies about it. Like, no, because I have this and this and this. It's just no. It's not, I don't, I'm not, I'm trying to make you right. still like me when I say no and that's something that is definitely a work in progress for me because um, I can say no and then I can just honor the other person's reaction they can have whatever reaction they choose exactly not to the not fact to that I said no and it can still make me really uncomfortable I can still feel guilty I can still feel uncomfortable or squirmy or you know have self-doubt or even a little bit of resentment but the no holds like I'll stick to the no, and then I'll work with on the feelings that come as a result of that with people who are safe for me. Like I said no to so and so about this, and she's really disappointed and really angry with me, and that's making me feel this way. Yeah, it's I not love making that. me change. It's yeah. not taking, making me change my no to a yes. Right, you right. Know, saying no, I and then I gotta okay. sit with these feelings that you know, I don't like them I'd yeah, rather just right. say yes and not have the feelings like that's right. really the, where the practice part comes in for me that it a is boundary where's is... the self-esteem in that you right. know exactly. like, where's the feeling good about integrity to yourself and others exactly and I you know we just again yeah. it's not like a it, it, we can take a course and suddenly just say no to everybody and not feel uncomfortable oh I feel uncomfortable God, all no. the time saying no all the right. time you know, and I do my best to get ahead of it and try to set expectations because I'll, I'll look at my list and the things that are important to me and I'll, you know, try to sort of let people know how it, how things are going to go, especially over the holidays. This is what I can and can't do. Um, but, of course, people don't stick to my plans. They have their own. So it's really right. it's a practice of... of um, honoring the feelings that, that come up with that. And that that's all about practicing self-awareness. You know, that's... Yeah, and I think a cool one, you know, one of the, the things that we were talking about is the whole considering your past and present. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I will do certain things now when it comes to this, and I will say I cannot believe. I'll give you an example. Thanksgiving. Um, my family, again, like I said, they're so kind of intertwined. There was no boundaries. I mean, that conversation with the mother, that's like that It could be my grandmother. And yeah. um, and I, I know a lot of other people can identify with that in, in relationships with their family. And this whole, like, we're lonely, why don't you come see us more, like that whole thing. But my point is my dad holidays are so important to my family and everyone being together. And um, I made the decision this year uh, that I was going to give myself a gift of, of a retreat and um, go to Costa Rica for Thanksgiving. And like a month before, my dad was like, you're going away for Thanksgiving? And the funnier part mm. is, like, every other year I go to my husband's family. So I was like, Dad, I'm not even with you every Thanksgiving. But it was that, like, how dare you do this to us? And, yeah. But, but, but the point is that I, I went and I told him he'd be fine. 
and they picked me up at the airport Sunday night, and it was funny. My mom, or Saturday, my mom's like, what are your in-laws think about you going away during Thanksgiving? And I don't think she didn't mean it in a bad way, but it's just this, like, expectation that mm-hmm. people have because it's just been unspoken. And, you know, one of the cool things about the good, um, healthy boundaries is um, don't just believe, recognize that others are not mind readers. Like, right. recognize that, like, you need on the other end to speak your truth. Like, People don't don't know what you're assuming from them or expecting. Very true, very true. I can't. I mean, it's it was an old behavior pattern, and it still comes up. But old behavior to not speak my needs and then resent people for not recognizing what they are. Right, right, <laughs> and it's so common. Yeah, it's so common. The other thing that, that really I've discovered is. is is kind of it's it's kind of cool is that you know I've been able to say no and do things I mean I've done some new holiday traditions over Thanksgiving the same with my took my kids away and we did our own thing because things are kind of different in our life now and I just wanted that was part of my priorities for the month is just to really have good quality time just the three of us post my divorce and you know there's some of that coming up over the Christmas holiday also where we're no we're going to peel off and be a family unit of three because that's a priority of mine yeah and, and I you love know, that's, it it makes me so happy and there's here, definitely some reactions to that and people other people aren't me either and they can have reactions and then move on and be okay you know that I'm not yeah. that people might say oh you know I don't like that or how dare you or you know I can't believe you're going to do this and then the event goes and comes and goes, and afterwards they're sort of like, "Well, how was it? Did you have a nice time?" And how did it, you know people? They're okay. If they're, right, they survive. You know, I'm not as <laughs> I am not responsible for everybody's emotions, and if I make a different decision and stick to my boundaries, you know, guess what? The the world keeps turning, and everybody kind of recovers exactly. from it. And if they don't, I mean, if it becomes something that's a long-standing resentment or a long-standing obstacle, then that's a relationship I need to examine. I mean, that's there's, I think sometimes the the really enmeshed codependent relationships don't recover from somebody uh, exhibiting healthier boundaries, and there might be some distance right. that's needed there, or some some work, or some counseling, or some things to be done around that. And that but, can be hard. That's hard, and yeah. you know, that was like that whole when you're growing and changing and people in your life are staying the same. And I know for me with my family, um, there was a lot of fear around like, are they still going to love me? Am I still going to love them? And I think that I can speak personally, like I can identify now the big differences. And yeah, there are certain things that keep coming up and coming up patterns that I, you know, again, I only have control of my part, but like Mm -hmm. it's, I'm speaking my truth at all yeah. times, most all times to my family now. And it's like, so it's that idea that I can't, I can only, am 50% of the relationship. So it's that like, right. what part of the relationship can I control? And then just having that kind of grace to be able to, over time, like let go. To the, yeah. the fact that we can't control their reactions. And like you said about all of this, I mean, that's just, that's constant practice. It was funny when I was with them last week and I said something to Nikki Myers. I mean, she's one of those people, like, you try to you know, not put people in on a pedestal. But I just, I, you know, everything she speaks about in this work resonates so much with me. And I said something like, well, so you're like, 
and I had to catch myself. I almost said, like, you're cured from, like, codependency. And I'm like, what are you <laughs> saying? Like, no, she's not. Like, she's, this is, again, it's, no, she just does more seemable things for herself. She practices better boundaries, and she, you know, keeps her word to herself. And so day after day, yeah. like, yeah, she's gotten stronger with it. But it's like there isn't, like, this isn't something you're just, like, you know, are, so, I mean, we, this stuff was so ingrained in most of us, like, some of us, like, before we could even walk, you know, a good amount yeah. of and and people do adapt and they do adjust too. I mean, I think that's the other thing that I'm discovering. That's I mean, we're talking about Nikki Myers and her practice of it. Yeah. And you know, this 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 whole concept of teaching people how to treat me was something that was introduced to me when I first got sober years ago. And um, mm-hmm. being able to say it, it is a lot of it too is sort of a language adjustment. You hear about keeping things in the eye using I sentences and stuff and it's you know that that's that was very useful to me because um instead of saying you need to stop making me feel guilty or you need to stop pressuring me like I need to do this or I feel this way I mean just being able to if I'm talking about myself and my needs and my truth it's automatically you know not something that's threatening or aggressive or it's automatically honoring something that's it's really more assertive that's just a way for me to to check that assertive versus aggressive boundary. You, it's you know. a great point. You know, there one of my favorite books on this that I recommend to a lot of people is, um, and I can't think of the author's name, but Nonviolent Communication. But if mm-hmm. this is a new way of talking and being for people, and they are used to that kind of aggressive, I this, and, you know, that book is so wonderful because it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like when you do this, I feel this. Like, can right. we try this? So it's just, again, it's like you like you said, you're taking responsibility, and and it's just it, you're able to like talk things out so much better instead of the other person coming back in a defensive stance where then they feel like they have to go on the attack. It's it's really, I mean, it's 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 life changing kind of communication and I've discovered that the people that I'm closest to I actually had a family member come back and said the last time this happened I, I think what it was is I had said I'm I said I think I said this conversation is making me feel very uncomfortable I think I That's just need some awesome. distance and, and stuff you know months so later they came back and they said the last time we talked about this it made you very uncomfortable That's what they remembered that it made me uncomfortable instead of me telling them you know I love it. Them up one side and down the other, and I remember thinking, "Wow, that stuff works." You know that they oh because ultimately they love me and they don't want to make me uncomfortable. It, so, it's, right. but it was it, that's it was in it was it's just such a new practice for me. Instead of trying to you know contort myself to make them love me, just to say I'm feeling uncomfortable. I right. Don't, you know. Right. Kind of like right. saying no. Yep. It's just it's a complete sentence. Uh, I think just so for the bad. last just, few minutes of the show, okay. I think it would be helpful to if we – let's just sort of pull it back down to also because there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are new to recovery. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, this can get very nuanced and very complex. But in the context mm-hmm. of maybe facing your first holiday sober or yeah. dealing with stra- strained relationships, I mean, most of us have some strained relationships when we first get sober – um, and I don't think that it doesn't really even matter what the circumstances were. I mean, you could have a low bottom with everybody's Agreed. mad at you, and you've you know, or you can have a high bottom, and you're and people just are uncomfortable with the 
you know, the fact that you're coming into yourself and, um, you know, maybe are not wanting to expose yourself to alcohol if your family all drinks or your friends all drink and you're you're sort of standing on the cusp of the next few weeks and trying to figure out tools that you can use. Um, and this this is this harkens back, I think, to uh, the show that we recently did on tools and tips for the holidays. But mm-hmm. one of the greatest gifts of recovery, I think, is the is getting our slowly, slowly getting our intuition back. And yeah. if 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 it's the prospect of a situation or an interaction with a person or an event is is making you feel uncomfortable, all you have to do is honor it. You know, you don't have to yeah. do all this work on codependency and boundary making. Right. And, I mean, that will all come. But one of the best pieces of advice that I got, if it's if if you're not sure and you stand down, you'll be safe. You know, when yeah. in doubt, stand down and, you know, take care of yourself. And yeah. let everybody else take care of themselves. <laughs> Just get through it. With, I agree. Uh, you know, and if that, I, if, if I could ahead. just add... To that, to those. So I would say my biggest things for the holidays are number one is we say it over and over, but planning. Like we already know yeah. the things that are probably going to set us off. We know the family members that there's risk, and we know, you know. So it's just like being aware of that and being prepared. And um, if you are caught off guard by people, something else I always say, like whether you know don't know whether to say yes or no. Are you doing it out of love or fear? It's usually a pretty mm. quick answer for me. If I'm doing it out of doing fear, doing it out of love or not. fear. Yeah, I like that. That's been yeah. for me like just a quick tool, like you know, love or fear. What are we doing this for? And if it's out of fear, it's for the wrong reason. Um, yeah. And and especially so at this early recovery, so you don't. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. It's making me feel afraid. Exactly. You can figure out what's you behind all simple. that. It, in all good time, it will all come. Exactly. Um, so that's and that's simple, simple. That's it. And the last one I and think it's all, is. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yep. go ahead. No, you you finish your list. <laughs> it's the hardest thing with the the radio shows. Um, so is just this uh, again simple tool is like in early recovery. I give people permission to revert back to their inner child. Like, who is the little girl in there? Who is the little boy? Mm-hmm. If I was at a family party yesterday for my grandmother, and everyone in there was drinking. And you know what? I just was feeling a little bit off. And I went outside and played with the kids. Like, I went and played football. And, you know, my sister went back in with the guy, I don't want to be antisocial. And the old me would have said, oh, I don't want to be antisocial either. You know, like, again, worrying about, like, but for me, at that time, it was like, nope. Like, I'm at the event. I made an appearance. The room smells like booze. Like, I just, it's not putting me, again, not that I needed to drink, but that I wasn't going to be in a spiritually good place. And, like, no, I'm going outside, and I'm going to play with the kids. And so, I mean, be prepared, and we say this over and over. Bring your own car to stuff. If you need to hop in the car and leave, you can apologize to people and figure that mess out later. That's another big, simple thing. Like, on the actual holidays, when the stuff's going on, like, be okay not going and telling people to, like, respect that you're going through a lot of change. Like, number one, be okay with not going. Number two, be okay with leaving when you need to leave. Like, those are, like, no questions asked. Like, in my mind, in the first year of recovery, like, not up for debate. Yep. Remove yourself and mm-hmm. definitely deal with it. deal with whatever reactions people have to it 
later. I think also for people who, I mean, we all, there's so many traditions that we have around the holidays. And I was just talking to a bunch of women that are new in sobriety recently, and all of them are the, they're the hosters of the Thanksgiving meal, you know, the holiday meal. And they were all, I love what you said about it, love or fear. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how afraid they were to host the holidays this year. And, you know, I sort of said, well, it's, you know, it's December 4th. You have three weeks, you know, don't, just don't do it. Change it. We host, we host every year Christmas Eve, my husband's family and my family. So not only was it disappointing one family, like it was disappointing two. So, and like breaking that family up in year one, we did not do it. And guess what? Everyone survived the next year when we had Christmas Eve again. Like, yeah. it, it, and I, yep. it's so to me, I, I, it's very, I, I have to take a deep breath and like, uh, there again, it, it, there's no like we have to get well. Like we cannot have a substance be part of our lives, or there is no life. So it's right. like that to me. That stuff becomes so matter of fact. It's one year, people will survive. It's not. It's not life or death. It's absolutely not. And, and it's, it, it is, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. It's going, it's going mm-hmm. to produce all kinds of uncomfortable feelings. And that again, segues into the community, finding some people that you can talk to about how, why it's uncomfortable and why you're exercising a boundary and, you know, get, get some people in your life that you can talk to about this who can help you, um, process those feelings because it's you know keeping yourself safe and exercising self care can it, it like we said it, it messes with the family system and so you and, find some new new family that you know some friends or trusted people exactly. in recovery that can, you can talk to about those things and um, yep. go ahead no and the last thing that I would say this is my last thing is that. Every time I made those new plans and said no when I needed to or left an event, like, it was hard. But guess what? It was, like, the first time in my life every one of those events was, like, saying to myself, I love you. I love you. Oh, Like, this is – and guess what? For then, that's like saying I love you to your children, to your nieces and nephews, Mm -hmm. to, you know, generations to come. That's, That's the way to look at that. Absolutely. I think that all the time when you know, my kids are 13 and 10 now and, um, you know, being able to model that kind of, you know, prioritizing self-care is it's definitely something that, I'm, now that, especially my daughter, now that she's older, she's starting to notice that more. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, breaking that cycle of, and the, one of the points exactly. too that I, that I was thinking of also about, you know, the, you can't overstress the importance of, um, you know, keeping yourself safe. And, and, and I think I've used this example on the show before, but when I was 90 days sober, I went to my 20 or 25th high school reunion because in my head, my my argument was, I'm not going to let the fact that I'm an alcoholic keep me from doing right, things like this. Right. Like it was defiance and pride. Yep. And what I couldn't have known because I was so new to the whole process was that, mm-hmm. you know, it, my alcoholism, my disease can sneak in in the in the hardest to see ways. And yeah. when I'm in a situation where I start to feel other than, 
that's one of my biggest uh, triggers. Like it is, sometimes it's all around point. alcohol. Like, look, all of those people can drink and I can't. I feel other than. Um, I had so, I had some some flashes of it this past Thanksgiving when I took my kids away to like a little you know kind of a little resort water park kind of place and mm-hmm. I could tell that my mental state was slipping because all of a sudden I was just surrounded by happy, healthy, intact families and I wasn't. You know, when I started to <laughs> that voice it says like it was I mean it was almost kind of like a parody of itself, like you know yeah. here's a mom and a dad and the two kids and they're all together and I suck. Like all of a right. sudden it was all about I me. Totally get it. Like that to me it's like in it so I mean I have <sighs> tools now. I can call people. I can you know, I, I actually said to the kids at one point, I'm like, you know what? We need to go back up to the room for a little bit. I just need to lie down. I need to have a little rest. I'm tired. I had to remove myself from that until I could kind of get myself grounded again. And I called a friend and I talked to her about it. And we, we actually ended up having a laugh about it. But not putting myself in a situation where I feel other than because that's how my disease talks to me. It tells exactly. Me, you know, I, that's a great and, point. Um, so I might be able to prove to the world that I can go to my reunion and not drink, but what I underestimate is the, you know, the lingering effect of feeling different. Uh, and the lingering so, effect is what typically can get us. So that's what will get me in the long run. And so, right. you know, when when in doubt, stand down, protect yourself, cocoon yourself, get your bubble. You know, find the things that are just yeah. for you, um, and keep it small and keep it very, very simple and one last thought that I had is and this is something that I've practiced and I got some advice from other people um, and I still do this all the time is I think about kind of like one-liner things that I'll say that are just that are different that are that'll stop me from from falling back to old behaviors like if I feel myself about to blurt out sure I'll do that for you I'll say I'll, I'll say I have things at the ready like I need to check my schedule or yeah um, or I'll say before I go into an event, you know, I'll I'll set the time limit myself. I have little, you know, I I we can stay an hour and then I have something else that I have to do. Like I just I try to build or responses even things like why aren't you know why aren't you drinking? I, I have those answers ready in my head, so it's yeah. just and I practice them over and over again so they come yep. more automatically so that I can't just blurt out old responses or old behaviors. I mean, it's kind of like right. grooming yourself with even things like I'm feeling really uncomfortable right now. I think I said that so many, so much in the, in the earlier days because I, you know, if I didn't say you that, know, I was going to say like something, a... something people pleasy or shape shifty, or I was going to do something that, that I didn't intend to do. And yeah, we can't so plan being enough, able to, you know, yeah, have, have things like that at the ready that, that are, all, that are yours that you're already comfortable with saying. And, and um, you know that that those are just very very basic simple tools that can end up being really important when things blindside us. They always do. Hundred percent. Well, this has been awesome, Danielle. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I always Thank learn a you. lot from the things that you have to share. And I just want to remind everybody that that Danielle's um, website is that is it the Real You Revolution or yeah, what it's is your Real You Revolution dot com dot com. The word awesome. real, the word you. And then revolution. Real, Thanks so much. You and revolution. Good, uh, yeah, this is a great reminder for for me as I well. Know. So I know. I know. Now we have to go practice what we preach, right there. Exactly. There up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, and so to close the show tonight, like we always do, we'd like you to direct you to our website at thebubblehour.com, also to um, shiningstrong.org, where you can find 
other resources surrounding recovery advocacy and support. And please send us your feedback or ideas for the show or send us an email to thebubblehour at gmail.com. And we thank all of you for listening, and we wish you all a safe and happy holiday season. We'll be hearing from us between now and then. But um, And, Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show yeah. again tonight. I just We love having you on. Thank you. Happy holidays, everybody. Right. Thanks, Danielle. Bye, Bye-bye. Ellie. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.